Guys, good Monday morning. Oh, actually, it's Wednesday morning. Thank you kindly for joining us. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Keith, unfortunately, at a friend's funeral right now in Northern Virginia. He is back in the saddle on Friday. I hope you had a fantastic Independence Day in this shortened week. Today's program, I think, is going to be absolutely dynamite. We have Jeremy Rowe in the house for the third time. The first and second time, the guy exceeded expectations. We welcome him back. The thing I hear from you, the viewer and listener, is that Jeremy has the gift of taking a complicated subject and making it simple, understandable, approachable, relatable. That's important, especially in business. He has that talent. Judah Wickhauer, our director. If we could, Judah, go to the studio camera and then the two-shot as we welcome Jeremy to the program. A lot of folks watching you. Um, third time on the show. Uh, I will ask you this, one, this question for the last time because I think by now just about everyone knows who you are. Please sure. introduce yourself to the viewers and listeners. Absolutely. I'm uh, Jeremy Rowe. I was born and raised over in Augusta County and have been in and around Seville for the majority of my life. I'm a 2009 UVA graduate and um, I am the owner of the Jeremy Rowe Agency with Goosehead Insurance. So I'm an insurance broker in the area. I broker for about 70 different companies. So I have the benefit of not working for any of them, which is a great freedom that I really appreciate and enjoy. Speaking of 4th of July, that's one of the freedoms that I like. And uh, I, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the different quirks and I keep my pulse on the insurance world, uh, what is going on with the different carriers, what we're seeing as far as trends. And I love working with different real estate agents and mortgage uh, loan officers, originators, to help them and their clients get set up really with their homeowner's insurance. But I offer everything from auto insurance, liability umbrellas, life insurance, um, everything except for really health um, and, and disability type insurance programs. So all personal lines is what I kind of specialize in. Um, the thing that I found, and that was a fantastic intro, um, I think this is very important to emphasize. You have um, at your professional fingertips the ability to vet, source, and, 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 and earn competitive pricing for clients across many different insurance options. So you, sure. in a lot of ways, are the source of the source. I think this is extremely important to highlight the value proposition that you offer customers through this channel. Put this in perspective. Sure. So in, in the insurance industry, there are a number of different companies out there. I think across the United States, as far as personal lines go, there's over 450 different insurance companies that are out there. Not all of them right in every state. This is everything from your major national brands, nationwide, progressive, all state, state farm, um, down to your smaller regional and even your um, uh, you know higher risk companies that you have. So through Goosehead Insurance, which is the um, the franchise that I've I've bought into, they've partnered with a number of different insurance companies. So I'm I'm a, in effect a personal shopper for insurance. You know, when someone's buying a home, they could call you know 15 different places and get quotes sent to them and spent that time. Um, I'm going to shop. Not everyone, but the vast majority of the market when it comes to uh, home and auto insurance, things along those lines, when someone calls me. And I've gotten to know the different quirks and traits with different companies. I've gotten to know some of the benefits that each one of them has, some of the, the offerings that they have. And, uh, and what I like to do is like to learn someone's situation, you know, hear their pain points. As I look at different properties, I worked in home building with Stanley Martin Homes for... 
about six, seven years. And so I've, I have the ability to kind of look at and take apart uh, a home, um, take it apart a little bit with my eyes and kind of see some of the things that I might need to be concerned with. And just understanding underwriting guidelines for different companies and what they're looking for. Um, everyone has different rules. So uh, I have also the uh, fortunate ability to be very political in terms of it's not always yes or no, but it's almost always a maybe, uh, depending on who your carrier is in terms of what their coverage is. Uh, Shore Pump, welcome to the program. Augusta County, all over the show. I see them on our heat map awesome. right now. Uh, Northern Virginia, Southwestern Virginia, folks in North Carolina and South Florida on the program. Give Jeremy Rowe a like and a share. If you have questions, put them in the Thank feed. You. All right, I'll throw this to you. How has the sales experience and new construction helped you with your insurance agency now? Uh, tremendously. Um, so one of, the, one of the big things that I'm looking at, especially in our area, is homes built. You're going to have some that are going back before 1900 all the way up to the modern day. Um, and working in new homes construction and really getting to know our immediate area, I... I have a pretty good sense of which homes were built in the, you know, mid 2000s, which ones were built in the 90s, which ones were probably built in, you know, 1940. So having that sense of understanding, knowing what materials um, were used previously, what materials are being used now, it kind of helps me fine tune which types of uh, endorsements or things that need to be added on to a policy. Um, it is a blessing knowing new construction, and as far as insurance rates go, new construction is still the least expensive premium that you're going to get for a home. Um, but it, it is it has helped really understanding the product that is being insured and knowing the questions to ask, not only to the, the customers that I'm working with, but if they're going through a new home purchase, being able to ask either the listing agent or their realtor, hey, can you help me find this information? Stuart Straff is in the house. We don't often have awesome. a lot of Stuart Straff watching the it's program. My I, I Thank see. you, Stuart Straff. I, I love it. I, I figured that's <laughs> what was going on right here. Um, John Blair watching the program in Stanton. John, we love you, man. Um, questions, put them in the feed. I see them coming in. I will relay them live on air. Yes, I will ask the question that came up about about a week ago on tracking the history of properties. Multiple folks are asking about this. First, I'll start with an open-ended question for Jeremy. This market, how do you characterize it? Obviously, inventory is very tight, um, but open-ended, how do you characterize today's real estate market? Well, the real estate market, uh, I normally see when things are good and homes are going under contract, my business picks up. Things have been really good through June for me. The market is still moving. I've been very blessed that I've recently got to work with a number of first-time home buyers, which is normally a really good sign. Those are some really good agents. Um, I just did one recently with Ryan Burks, who's actually with Remax over in Waynesboro. He found a great home for some first-time home buyers and was able to help them in their um, get their homeowners insurance. So that's normally a really good sign if um, that that agents are working hard, they're able to help you know find homes. So it's. Uh, it's been looking. It's been looking good. It's still very tight. You know, the uh, Scott Morris I know is out of town right now, and he's normally uh, got the the biggest pulse on what the insurance rates or what the interest rates are doing right now. Um, but there's still activity out there. We're of course in the vacation uh, season right now in July. Now that July 4th uh, has come and gone, people are traveling about. Um, but right now, there's a there's generally a little bit of a a rush or an impulse to get 
get into a home before the school year starts. So July can be a very sneaky month. You can see a lot of people that are looking to make moves uh, during the month of July, trying to get settled before school begins in August or September, depending on where you live. Uh, you're getting props from people, man. I'm going to relay it live on air. Tina Zirkel, yes. um, mm -hmm. giving you the heart emoji right now. Mike, is it Moles? Mike Moles, yes. Watching the program, mm -hmm. he says, Jeremy Rowe is the absolute best stand-up guy and finds you the best rates out there. This is from... Timothy Jackson, please ask for his contact information. I was impressed with him on your show, Jerry, the first two times. I will watch this one closely. Please make sure he gets the contact information out there. I suggest maybe we do that now before we forget. What's the best way for folks to reach you? Uh, you can reach me at Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y dot row, R-O-W-E, at Goosehead, just like the animal, just like the head on your head uh, at goosehead.com that's the best way to contact me through email what I normally like to do um, my, my schedule stays very busy I normally email out a, uh, a calendar link to my calendar it's simple enough you can take a look at your schedule set up an appointment time with me just to review your policies see what I can do so um, send, me, send me a quick email I'll be glad to look at it I do have another gentleman in my office Isaiah Bradshaw um, he is a uh, JMU graduate. He was on the first national championship JMU football team, and nice. he is a fantastic insurance agent as well. He is also in my office. So, Isaiah, um, one of us, you know, uh, would like to be in touch if I'm unavailable. Isaiah can reach out as well and, and certainly help out too. So, uh, very blessed with the team that I've, I currently have and um, looking to continue to grow. So, uh, thank you. Logan Wells Claylo, welcome to the program. A realtor looking. And watching us right now. Um, all right, so let's talk. Um, let's talk stuff that you think needs to be out there that a lot of folks don't know. We know we need insurance. Sure. Right. Everyone knows we need insurance. We know we need insurance for something that's going to happen: tree, accident, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you carte blanche. Go anywhere you want. I will adapt to you. Give us some firsthand perspective of stories you've seen. Uh, from sure. the front lines yeah. uh, that should be out to the many viewers and listeners right now. So I'm, uh, thank you for that. That's great. And I'm going to use an example from this past week okay. uh, that I got a call from an agent that was looking over a property that was under contract. Okay. And the biggest thing that she had was questions about the roof. And I will go online, you know, in these conversations and, you know, take a look at the whole home to see if there's any other questions and concerns that I have. The biggest thing right now is, is roofs. Um, it used to be that if you have an architectural shingle that's 30 years old, that, you know, you would assume you're good for 30 years. Well, a lot of the insurance companies now, as far as claims and everything go, the cost of covering claims has gone up as construction costs have gone up, things with cars, things with homes. And so they have modified, really over the last 18 months, a lot of their standards for what they're looking at as far as roofing goes. Some of them, it will be only 15 years if it is an asphalt-type shingle. It doesn't matter if it's a 30-year architectural shingle or not. If, um, if it is that, you know, if it is... Um, asphalt shingle, they're only going to give you 15 years. And if it's older than that, they're not going to be able to insure the home or they could exclude or do actual cash value for the roof. So they'll depreciate the roof for you. Some insurance companies, it's 20, some it's 25. 25 is generally the cap that I, that I see with a lot of companies. When you get beyond 25 years, they're really going to be cautious about the home. Now, sometimes it's difficult to know exactly when the roof was last updated. 
a lot of home inspectors, they'll be able to take a look at the roof, which is another reason why I think the home inspection is important, and they can give an estimate on what they think the lifespan of the roof might be. There is some reporting done because if a roof is updated, they can report to the county and get a permit to get that done. And that could be reported through a, a thing called Vare Risk, which will update with a lot of insurance records to show when the roof was last updated. That's if a permit was pulled to update the roof. If there is no permit pulled, then it will not show in the system. That's one of the biggest things that I encounter right now. For this particular property, uh, the heating source was also an issue. Huh. And this was something that the agent was unaware of. The heat system for this home was oil heat. And oil heat, in and, in and of itself, is not a problem, but it was a buried oil tank. And a lot of insurance companies will not insure a home that have a buried oil tank. Fortunately, I think that the person buying this home was going to um, end up switching over to propane or another source of heat for their home. Um, but that was another thing that a lot of people aren't aware of as they're looking through it. As long as everything's working well, then that was you know, perfectly fine. And then some of the things that can really help but aren't necessarily insurance risks are things like when the heating system has been updated. If it's an older home, has the electrical been updated in any period of time? Uh, and then the second biggest thing probably besides the roof is the type of plumbing that is in the home. Quest just came on the feed. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll get to that in a matter of moments. You <laughs> literally say, just yeah, beat. Right in there. That's going to be the next one. Quest so plumbing just quest. came up from Louise. Yes. Like, keep going. Keep yeah. going. So, so the type of plumbing that's going to be in the home. Um, you're going to get a lot of homes built in the you know, 1940s or 50s, all the way up to the 1970s that probably have galvanized plumbing that is in the home. Some insurance companies don't like galvanized anymore. You're going to get a lot of homes built from really the mid to late 80s through the late 90s that are going to have... Uh, Quest plumbing or polybutylene plumbing that is in the home. Uh, and then kind of the cousin to that is PEX plumbing. And there was PEX plumbing that was through from the you know late 90s through the early 2000s. And then that has been updated really around 2007, I think, is when they, they changed the type of PEX plumbing. PEX and polybutylene uh, piping, for those that don't know, is a type of um, flexible tube plumbing that is run through the home. So you have PVC, which a lot of new construction uses PVC plumbing today, uh, and that has rigid joints, they're fitted, they're glued together. Um, when it comes to Quest and PEX, it will be a flexible tube plumbing that is easier to run through the walls, and then there's normally like a brass fixture joint where it's making a turn. Um, the issue with Damn, you know like, this well, dude. <laughs> I, I, I spend a lot of time oh looking at plumbing. This is impressive. <laughs> so the issues with with uh, Quest or polybutylene plumbing is um, over time it can form a leak, and that can be due to the uh, the type of water. So uh, for those that are listening that are Northern Virginia, they are going to have a different type of public water than what we're going to have in Charlottesville or in Augusta County. Some of it was due to how long it sat out in sunlight that could actually cause the uh, the issue. So if it sat on the ground for three weeks before it got installed in the home, that could have caused an issue. For some insurance companies out there, they say if there's Quest or polybutylene in the home and it has not been fixed and it's not been certified that it's been fixed, they're not going to insure the property. There are other insurance companies out there um, that say, if you have this in the home and you've never had an issue, we don't have an issue. It could have been at this point, it could have been in the home 30 years at this point. So it's if it's never had a problem, we're, we're willing to go ahead and, and move forward with that. Um, there are some insurance companies out there that they don't care at all uh, if you've had a leak or not, but they also have a tendency to be the more expensive premiums. So the more risk an insurance company is willing to take, the higher the premium is going to be. 
But the good thing is, is that you're covered if something does happen. Okay, so questions are coming in fast and furious here. That's Lauren great. Sonin is watching on LinkedIn. This is coming from Spotify. Um, we are looking at a home with Quest Plumbing. If sure. we choose to make this purchase, is it in our um, best advantage to replace the Quest Plumbing immediately? We've gotten a quote between seven and ten thousand dollars to do this work. So, I. I'm not going to give a yes or no to that. Okay. I'm going to give a couple of the, the different scenarios or options for that. So you can certainly take a look and find a carrier that is going to cover the Quest Plumbing. If there hasn't been any issue, if there hasn't been any disclosed issue for the home, um, you know, you're, you're, you potentially could be perfectly fine with Quest Plumbing. You might not ever encounter an issue with it. There are some insurance companies and you can also check with your agent or the underwriter for that insurance company that if things like the roof or Quest polybutylene piping are going to be changed out within a certain time period. Generally, that's six months to a year. Normally, it's a year because that's when your renewal is going to be coming up. And with a letter from a contractor that you're going to be getting the work done and you've already paid a deposit, the insurance company will give you credit for having replaced that. Huh. So... I see that frequently with roofs. Um, right now, we're in a time period, you know, there was a lot of homes that were built through the 1990s. If those roofs have not been updated, they're due. So I have had a number of people that are like, you know, this roof is going to be, this is the first project I'm going to do. I'm hoping to get it done by September. Uh, and I'll call over to the underwriter and say, hey, I've got a letter saying they're going to update this. Can I put this down as a 2023 roof? They will actually give you credit for a 2023 roof if you provide the contract saying this work is going to be done. So that is not to say that everyone's going to accept that letter for Quest or polybutylene piping uh, or the roof, um, but that is an option that I would explore if that is something that you're, you're looking at or willing to do. Um, it may seem like a large expense, seven to $10,000 to repla replace the plumbing in your home, um, but you know, evaluating exactly what, you know, the potential, what you're looking to cover um, it, it might be a better long-term investment um, you know, for home. So I can't say yes or no, but those are a couple of the different options that you can look at and explore. This is coming from Stephen, who is watching in Henrico. Does he suggest subcontractors that he's had success with for these various projects to clients? So I, I guess I, I would imagine Stephen's meeting like, the folks that would do the plumbing work, the uh, roofing work, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's what he's referring to. Do I, do I have personally have some people that I know? Uh, I've got a few different people that I know. I don't have anyone particularly in, in Henrico. Um, one of the things that you, you can do, uh, a lot of insurance agents, uh, insurance agents, a lot of real estate agents that I, that I know, um, they generally have a network of people that do um, you know, work. I have a few people here in the Charlottesville area that, that I trust. Um, it is important um, to make sure that whoever is doing the work is licensed and insured uh, to do the work. And, and generally for those bigger projects, having a general contractor. So I would reach out to either a local real estate agent that you trust to see who they would recommend in your area. The other good network is home inspectors because home inspectors bump into construction frequently and they know who does work and what type of work they do. So if there is a, if a real estate agent doesn't know uh, someone that can do the work, I'm sure they have a preferred home inspector that they might know that might be able to refer that work. 
Um, there is a there's certainly a need for trades uh, in our area right now. There's no shortage of uh, um, of work for those that that are in that field, but. Um, but that would be my recommendation is to, to reach out to those, particularly if you find a good home inspector, and see who they have worked with frequently that they would trust to do work on their house. Uh, great counter to what you're saying here. This is from Grayson mm-hmm. in the 757 area. He says, I appreciate his comment. I would imagine the Charlottesville area is even more significant than Williamsburg here. You have to buy homes now, often without the value of an inspector watching, walking the property. Folks in our neighborhood and in our market are legitimately buying houses, and we're looking to buy our family without home inspections. What do we do in this scenario? It's a hell of a question. That's a tough spot. Tough it, spot. It's a it's a very tough spot. Um, there's there's a couple. You're of hearing about that, huh? You're hearing about that as well. Yes, it, it, it's happening. It's happened. It happens frequently. Um, the. The home that I was mentioning earlier that I found the buried oil tank, that it had a, uh, the other thing that it had in it was uh, wood-burning stoves, which a lot of insurance companies are going to require a separate inspection for those to make sure they've been installed properly. Um, that one was one that the inspection was done for informational purposes only. Um, whether you are contingent on your contract or not, from an insurance standpoint, I recommend at least knowing what you're getting into. So if you do not make your, your purchase contract um, contingent on a home inspection, even if it's independent, even if it's after you sell, which I still don't recommend doing that, but if you can make your, your contract for informational purposes only, um, then I, I, I at least recommend knowing what, what you're getting into. Um, you know, it, there's no worse way of finding out than something going wrong. I would rather have a heads up on it. Depending on the market, you know, you can find home inspections for somewhere between 450 and probably 800. Um, you know, as as far as what that would be, and that's a small cost to to get to know, relatively speaking, to what an insurance claim could be. Some of the best um, home inspections that I've seen written will normally say this will be inform- for informational purposes, unless any one particular item is going to be more than say five thousand dollars to replace. And what you're basically saying in that kind of negotiation for a new home purchase is, you know, we're not going to be nickel and, and diming you over fixing small little things with the home, but we want to take a look and see that the foundation is is not going to fall out from underneath of us. We want to make sure that, you know, uh, any of the headers or, you know, anything that they can see aren't, aren't like, you know, falling apart and that there's going to be a major issue with the home. Uh, if it's at $5,000 and it's something like Quest or polybutylene piping that has visible leaks or something along those lines, as we just heard, that can be a seven to $10,000 fix. So you're basically, it's the middle ground between saying, I'm not doing a home inspection at all and I'm doing a full-blown home inspection. You're basically saying, I, I still would like a home inspection because I want to make sure that I'm not really being um, uh, not savvy with this purchase but I also want to make sure that the person selling the home is feeling comfortable. Uh, is it going to work in every market? No. You know, in the Tidewater area, there might be, um, you know, there might be a rush, and they're getting you know 20 different offers on the property, and it might still lose out. Um, but you know, it, it is one strategy that I think works works well. Johnny Ornalis watching the program. Owner of Guadalajara, uh, Fontaine, and El Mariachi Zion's Crossroads. Jamie Turner, the real estate investor, watching in Culpeper. JT, if you have any questions, 
put him on the feed. I'm very curious of your thoughts on what he's chatting about. He often fires fantastic questions. This is a great question from Spencer. We're looking at a house right now in the neighborhood we desire, and it's in the price point that we can afford. Wonderful. While walking the property with a home inspection that Jeremy described, an inspection for informational purposes, we were told by the inspector that the foundation had some cracks in it. Uh, how would this play out if we choose to move forward with the property from a coverage standpoint? Hmm. That's a good question. That is a very good question. Um, it would depend. <laughs> As I said earlier, there's no yes or no answers with a lot of this. Um, it would depend on the, the type of crack and how that is... Um, how the earth really is shifting with that. So it is not uncommon, particularly in older homes, to see some of the cracks in a, in a basement or a basement foundation. Um, that can happen. You know, there's you know, three rules of concrete. It's going to crack, it's going to crack, it's going to crack. Um, same thing can happen with, you know, center blocks. You see kind of that stair-step foundation. It becomes more worrisome with a lot of home inspectors, they'll point this out too, when, when it'll start to separate. Like, you might see the crack. That's generally okay. But if the walls start to shift then that's a bit more problematic. The true answer is that a lot of times insurance companies will have their own sort of inspection in terms of insuring a property. Um, the, the, inspec the inspections for different insurance companies can be as simple as an agent that goes out and takes uh, photos of a property. Um, some of them are self-walkthrough inspections that the insurance company will say, great, if you can upload a couple of these photos for the property, this is the things that we want to take, at, take a look at. Um, other insurance companies go through third-party home inspectors that will come out, and they will do a quick look at the outside of the home. Sometimes they'll come in the home just to verify things like, has the water heater been updated? Has the HVAC been updated? What type of plumbing's in the home? Um, and they'll look at things like the kitchen to determine the quality grade for the interior of the home. The reason why they do this is twofold. One, they want to see for any risks like that if it's something that would not be acceptable for their insurance company. If it is a risk that was undisclosed, they're not going to take the risk on. The other thing, too, is they want to get an appropriate valuation for what it's going to cost to replace the home. Uh, there are insurance agents out there that if you bought a very nice custom home, that they could say that everything's built or grade and they're going to get you a lower coverage for the home uh, and a lower premium as a result. What you really want to do is you want to insure the home at its appropriate replacement cost level. A true replacement cost estimation can be run by just about every insurance company uh, to get their sense of what the home needs to be replaced for. So these inspections from the insurance companies are valuable for a couple of different reasons. One, for you, the purchaser of the home, you want to make sure that you're getting a home that is going to be insured at the appropriate level. And at the same time for the insurance company, they're evaluating their risk. And it does happen that an insurance company might come back and say, we found these issues, and these things are small things that need to be fixed. Here's how they can be fixed. Um, and if they're, if they're taken care of, great. If not, you might need to find another insurance company. They generally give you a time period after that, 30, 60 days or something, to at least get something under contract saying it's going to be fixed. It's common with roofs. I have actually had someone that... Um, they were told by the person selling the home that the roof had been updated, uh, and in fact, it had not. So when the insurance company came out and did their inspection, they said, you know, it had not been updated. They had to unfortunately go back, and they were like, oh, well, yeah, it wasn't actually updated, and they, they were ended up having to replace the roof. Uh, everything worked out. They're still insured. Uh, they did a great job as a homeowner taking care of their property. It's your biggest investment for most people that you're going to be making. 
Um, so it, it, is, um, it is something that's really up to each individual insurance company to kind of evaluate. Um, but it's good that the home inspection you know, pointed out something like that. And you can, you can look and get a contractor, same as what we're talking about for uh, the polybutylene, to maybe give you an estimate on, is this something that needs to be fixed? Is this structurally sound for the home? And if I did need to fix it, what would that look like? Questions are coming in faster than I can keep up here. First, let's um, acknowledge some of the viewers and listeners that are watching the show here. You're getting props from Patrick Early. Um, you're getting props from, is it Vinny Vinny watching the show right okay. now? Um, <laughs> we got some folks that are watching um, in Arlington and in McLean um, and Louisa, Orange, and Holly Foster. Hello. Welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for watching. Um, all right, so I'll throw this to you. Um, is the inspection done by the insurance company at a level that is more, um, not stringent, but uh, a better audit than often inspections done by home inspectors? There are some home inspectors out there, and this is me saying this, not sure. you. There's some folks out there that understand the concept of making sure the deal moves forward. Okay. Um, where they know that if a lot of red flags are raised, perhaps they don't get a callback. Sure. Um, in your particular business, the inspector with the insurance company really doesn't have to worry about that. So is the inspection done with the insurance company a more significant or a more vetted inspection than those that are done during the buying and selling process? I would say it's different. Okay. And where it's going to be different, and I'm going to throw in appraisers with this as well, okay. because you're going to get three different got kind some appraisers of watching here. Yeah, some appraisers as well. So you got to think who the individuals being hired are directly, you know, working for. When it comes to an insurance company, the inspection itself um, is really for the insurance company's information and their purposes and what they are concerned with. So, you know, like I said, some of them they let the homeowner do the inspection itself. They say, we require these photos. If you can get us these photos, then the actual inspector is the homeowner themselves taking the photos and showing these items. Um, the nice thing about that is it's, it's very simple. In some cases, the homeowner is learning more about their home or where things are than what they you know, had known previously. So the insurance company isn't necessarily going to be going over the home with a fine-tooth comb. They're not necessarily going to be going up in the attic or down in the crawl space to the same degree um, that what a home inspection would be for your new home purchase. When you're buying a home, the home inspector is working for you, the buyer. They're looking over the home and they're trying to give their best uh, assessment of what they see, any issues that are going to, uh, to come up. Working in new construction, um, you know, those homeowner, uh, those home inspectors that go through that, uh, there's never a report that's completely clean and they want to give value to the people that are buying the homes uh, even if it's something small that, that they find. Um, so it doesn't matter if a home is you know, 60 years old, 80 years old, or if it's brand new construction. When you have a home inspector, they're looking over the home for you, the purchaser. Um, and I often say this too, because uh, I, I, I feel like sometimes the real estate transaction can feel to a buyer or to a seller like it's a standoff. But really, at the end of the day, everyone want someone to, they want everything to go smooth. In an ideal world, the buyer's going to buy a new home, the seller's going to sell their home, that everything wants to go smooth. So I, I'm not going to speak to whether a home inspector is working to necessarily make the deal go through or not, but most of the home inspectors that I've worked with, they're working to give the best estimation for what they see and issues that they see with a home and present the information to the buyer. So they're going to be a little bit more 
um, diligent because they're looking for more things for the buyer. The home, the insurance inspectors are looking at things that are just pertinent to what the insurance company needs to evaluate. And then, of course, the appraisal for a home is based on the market value. They're, they're evaluating this home against other homes. So the rebuild cost for a home and the market appraisal for a home are probably going to be two different things. If you have one home that is in Charlottesville, the same exact home is built in Louisa, and the same exact home is built in Arlington, it's going to have three totally different market values, even if the replacement cost for that home is the exact same in all three markets. Um, Fast and Furious, the comments are coming in, guys. Put them in the feed. The man knows the stuff inside and out. This is from Bill McChesney, who we've dubbed the mayor of McIntyre. Lives in the McIntyre neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Please ask Jeremy about old decks and porches. Most of the time, if they collapse um, and they're older, they will not be covered. In fact, Bill McChesney has gone through this himself, um, and he shared photos with us. Um, Bill, I I believe, yeah, you've shared the photos with us, and you've mentioned that I can uh, bring this up on air. He had a deck on his house that collapsed um, that was six figures of repair that was not covered under the policy. Um, You want to go down this road at all? Your thoughts on maybe general terms? And Bill, if you want to offer specifics, happy to relay it live on air. You might be picking up a new customer (laughs) over here, Jeremy Rowe. Um, First, let's talk decks that are old um, and coverage available for... I mean, we've all seen the decks where, like, the posts in the ground um, that are holding the decks out at the base, when they're going into the ground, they're rotted. Mm-hmm. You see the holes in the You know this better than anyone. Yep. Um, anywhere you want to go on this topic. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. That is, um, uh, that's not a fun situation. And it is, it is one, of the, one of the reasons and the blessings that I'm glad that I don't work for any one particular insurance company. My my primary job and what I do best is new policy creation and, and initiation. Looking at the situation and trying to set up the best possible policy for everyone. Um, with any insurance policy, there's hundreds of endorsements that you can add on depending on the company. Uh, you could add on all of them and your premium could be you know $10,000 a year. Uh, so we always try to evaluate the situation and do the best possible you know, policy that can be set up. I, I don't know who, who your insurance company, you know, is that you had had to that situation. Um, and, you know, for their sake, there's no real reason to call them out right now because what, what ends up happening with a lot of situations is, um, again, it, whenever there is a claim, and I don't care if this is auto or home, you're going to have an adjuster come out and evaluate the situation. The type of claim um, that can be um, filed, so decks. Covered porches, um, you know, screened-in porches, any of those structures, those are attached structures to a home. So that is part of your dwelling coverage A, the main portion of the home. That is different than your coverage B, which is detached structures for your home. So if it is attached to your home, it is part of your main coverage that you have and is generally covered. Now, with insurance companies, there are most homeowners insurance policies, unless it is a condominium in Charlottesville, most insurance policies are what's called an HO3 policy. The difference between an HO1 and an HO2 and an HO3 policy, HO1 is called a basic, uh, HO2 is called a broad, and HO3 is called a special. With a basic and a broad policy, the insurance company is listing out all the different reasons that a claim uh, can be filed. They're saying, we're going to cover you for you know, wind. We're going to cover you for you know, water from a burst pipe. With an HO3 or a special policy, a home policy is covered for everything 
with the exception of certain exclusions. Um, some of the biggest exclusions that we have in the state of Virginia are going to be things like um, flood. Flooding is, is an excluded claim. Um, earth movement, like an earthquake, is excluded unless it's endorsed on a policy. And that is an endorsement. We have had an earthquake before. Um, Louisa. <laughs> Louisa. Yeah, a significant one. I yeah. remember it. Yeah, me too. Um, you Destroyed know, the school. It, it, it did. Yeah. Unfortunately, they had coverage on their policy. Um, most homes that I see in Charlottesville, and this is coming a little bit off tar, uh, tar, um, topic, are frame-built homes, and they, they withstood it fairly well. Some of the ones that had some solid stone masonry, um, they were a little bit more affected. So uh, I normally talk through those situations and the risk tolerance for individuals when I'm doing a policy. Um, so uh, earth movement, earthquake, flood are some of the exclusions. Some of the other ones can be um, you know, what I call the government actions, nuclear disaster, um, the uh, acts of war. If there is a war, the insurance company is not going to cover your home if we, we did engage in war. Then police action. Uh, if the police have to knock down your front door because they think that you're running an illegal operation in your basement, the insurance company is not going to replace your front door. Some of the other ones that people are not aware of, per se, and this might have been the case, but again, I'm not an adjuster for a claim, um, is there is a degree of homeowner's maintenance that, that goes into a home. Things like mold are generally excluded on a homeowner's policy unless the mold is the direct result of another loss that is covered. For instance, if a pipe bursts in your home, it is July and it's 85 degrees, it does not take long before mold can start to develop, especially if someone can't get out and do the fix immediately. So that type of mold is covered underneath a water claim, generally for most insurance companies. Mold, because of you know, poor ventilation and a crawl space or something along those, those lines, is not generally covered underneath of a homeowner's policy. That's homeowner's maintenance to make sure things are vented. Um, pests, you know, termites, um, you know, things like mice infestations, things along those lines are also not normally covered underneath uh, a homeowner's policy because they're naturally occurring things that can happen. And then there is a degree of things that can break down over time. So if you built a home in 1940 and you're still living in your home today, Unless you are doing an immaculate job keeping everything up, there are things that are generally going to break down over time. Insurance is in place to cover an event that happens. I, I'm not privy to exactly what happened in that situation. He's got a little more information for you. Okay. Um, it was a screen <laughs> sure. roof porch. It happened uh, about six years ago. The reason was the porch wasn't properly attached and the codes at the time of construction, 1971, there were not specific codes for this. Um, Sounds like, and he's highlighting, this is an out-of-pocket expense um, that was six figures for a retired couple. That, that stinks. I mean, there's, there's, real no way, there's real no way to put that. It, it stinks in that type of situation. And, and in this situation, I was, uh, where I was going, and it doesn't sound like this was the, the case at all. So I, I'm very, very um, sorry to, to, to hear about that situation for you. Um, but I have had some homes that have been really in disrepair, whether it's the homeowners haven't cared, uh, they haven't maintained it, um, and it might be pretty obvious over time that, you know, uh, water has affected some of those, those lower areas over a long period of time. It rots out and, and it deteriorates. Um, the insurance company, and it's, it's adjuster-dependent, can say that that was something that should have been noticed and maintained by the homeowner. You know, you own your home. Um, there's an element of responsibility for your own personal property that, that you have to have. Um, 
in, in that particular situation, I, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just sad to hear that. That, that stinks that that happened. Um, you know, who the adjuster was or what the determination is. For, for a lot of insurance companies, um, there, are, there are levels that they will go, but if, if a claim is fully rejected, and I've talked to a couple of different underwriters, depending on the insurance company, uh, if it goes through their different levels, through the initial adjusters, through the evaluators of that, to their supervisors, all the way up to whoever heads up the division, uh, if a claim is normally um, denied to that extent, um, the insurance company is confident that if it went to court, they were going to win. And that's, uh, that's an unfortunate situation that, that that happened to you. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, and, and who's to say, you know, you know, would all insurance companies handle it that way? I don't know. Each one has their kind of different rules and regulations, and different adjusters can have different opinions on the situation. Um, you know, there was, there was uh, a hailstorm in uh, April of last year uh, over in Waynesboro and Augusta County. Um, a number of uh, homes were affected for roof claims. There was uh, one insurance company that um, pretty much every roof claim that was filed with them, they rejected. And for a lot of people that came back and said, we would like you to reevaluate this, they ended up taking care of it. The play, really, in that situation is for all those that accept that that's being rejected, they just save somewhere between ten dollars and $40,000 replacing the roof. Um, so it so that was happen. a strategy? I, I, I can't say that it was or not, okay. but as I sit here and evaluate it, because right now all insurance companies, you know, they're, they're businesses. You right. know, they have a bottom line as well. In order for them to stay financially viable, um, you know, with the cost of construction and everything, there's one of the reasons why probably most people out there are seeing a rise in their auto insurance rates, uh, their home insurance rates in 2023. If you did not see it in 2022, you're, you're going to see it in 2023. Um, I get questions a lot you know, from people that have called and said, I've never had a claim. My auto insurance went up. Well, with most insurance companies, we're paying for the collective whole of us as a people. Uh, you know, If your insurance company had to pay out because um, a ton of homes were destroyed in Tennessee due to a, a hurricane, and your home insurance went up, you know, $50, $100 a year. Or Florida. I mean, we, we had this happen in Florida with flooding, with hurricanes. I flooding, mean, hurricanes. Yeah. Um, you know, insurance companies are fairly intelligent as well. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of insurance. Um, you know, new home, new home policies in California, State Farm uh, is not doing that right now. Um, there are a lot of insurance companies that do not write in the state of Florida. There's a lot of auto insurance companies that do not write in D.C. Um, you know, we, we recently just saw that nationwide insurance now, if they are doing a new home policy, there is a 10-day review of that policy before nationwide will write that home policy. Everywhere in the United States from now till the end of 2023. Um, it was rumored that they weren't going to write any homes at all. That ended up being false. They are still writing homes. But if you're trying to do a new policy for a new home under Nationwide, before you even get a quote, they're going to do a 10-day evaluation whether they're going to insure that property or not. So all insurance companies across the United States have put in new implementations, new things that they are looking to do um, because they have to stay financially viable. And it, it's, it's, uh, there's a bit of a juxtaposition here, too, because... We want them to stay financially viable. If you have a company and they become insolvent, 
you are out of luck. <laughs> um, all the insurance companies I work with are A or A-plus rated insurance companies, and that is not necessarily a customer service score for them. That is a, a, a statement of their financial viability. I'm only going to work with insurance companies that uh, are financially strong because when it comes to paying out a claim, you want to make sure they can do it. So You are on fire right now. Jeremy Rowe crushing it. Was, was Isaiah Bradshaw your colleague? Yes, Isaiah Wa- Bradshaw, yes. Watching right now. Isaiah, what's Thanks, up? Isaiah. You got some props from uh, Jeremy earlier in the show. Bill offers a little more insight into his predicament, and then we'll go on to some other ones. And sure. I am going to talk solar, which has been a hot topic of late. <laughs> sure. um, another topic that's been hot on this program is the... Um, kind of like the Carfax of um, houses, Um, you know, tracking the history of a house from a repair or damage standpoint. Um, Bill says, we had done repairs over the years on that porch, but no one gave us any warning. Um, And then when they tried to litigate, there wasn't a Charlottesville attorney that would touch their case, not even the nastiest um, working on a cut on the back end would touch their case. Bill, both Jeremy and I, and I don't want to speak for him, but I feel confident I can speak with him for him in this case. Empathize um, for your scenario. Um, I'm sorry. sorry it happen- I'm sorry it happened to you. Yeah. I, it, it is. It is fortunately very rare that I've heard of something to that degree that has happened. Um, I that. It, yeah, my, my heart just goes out for you and what, what that what that costs and, and it is uh, it, it it does um, it does put into you know perspective. I don't know exactly when that happened. It sounded like it was in the last year or so. That I said within six it was about six years about ago. six years ago. Yeah, um, cost of construction were expensive then. I mean, like these repairs cost a lot of money. Uh, I talked with you know uh, one um, one of the companies that's doing business in Virginia. It's a relatively new company, but. Um, you know, they they now are up to um, roughly ten million, in, or sorry, fifteen million in premium uh, that that they have written. Um, well, if you think about this, you know, if there are three losses that are five hundred thousand dollars total losses that insurance company has to repair, they just lost ten percent of their income. So that's one point five million on ten million in premium. So you know, these insurance companies, and it can take it can take hundreds, thousands of homes to get to for an insurance company to have $15 million in premium that are coming in. So, you know, it, it, is, it is not a small expense, you know, for anyone and certainly not for an individual. And then my, again, you know, Bill, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for your, your, your situation. Um, and, you know, I, I hope, you know, some other people can, can hear the show and, and can kind of, you know, listen learn. and learn from this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, I would encourage you to uh, reach out to Jeremy um, and his team. Um, for some guidance, some help, um, and maybe some business here. Because this guy, you can see what he's all about, character here and transparency. Um, I'm getting bombarded by the solar topic here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've been talking about it on the show. Um, I'm going to start open-ended here. Um, there's a lot of folks that are getting um, one company in particular, which was the Segura Home, Segura Solar. Mm-hmm. that are having solar installed on their house mm-hmm. and then are being ghosted by the company when it comes to issues with the solar on the house, mm-hmm. um, essentially breaking down, not functioning, and they're at a loss of what to do. So I'm going to start open-ended. I don't know if you heard anything about this, if you offer any guidance here, any perspective, and then we'll maybe offer some of the questions that are coming on the feed here as well. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have... Too much 
intimate knowledge okay. of the behind the scenes. I, kn- I know you've, you've had your pulse on this uh, a lot closer uh-huh. than I have. Um, you know, it is... Well, I love, I love Seville. You yeah. know, that's the name of the show. That's why, you know, we're kind of all uh, here. And, and the solar push has been big uh, over the last 10, 15, shoot, 20 years uh-huh. um, in Charlottesville. And, and I'm sure that there's a number of people that have worked uh, with various solar companies um, to, get this, uh, to get that installed on their home. I know I, I, had, uh, I had Segura on, on a home that I had owned as well. Um, and, you know, fortunately going through it, and I'm sure the case with most people, um, when I had it installed, I didn't, didn't have, you know, any issues. It was a very smooth process for me. Um, I don't have too much from an insurance standpoint. Um, you know, when, when it was, uh, you know, when it goes on the home, you know, they, they were, a, you know, as far as my knowledge, a licensed and insured, you know, company. When I was working with them, I was not... Um, you know, working in the insurance side, um, but in order to have that level of contractors, that that would have to be the case, I would imagine. Um, but I don't. Uh, I can speak for how uh, how an insurance company insures yeah. solar. Uh, you know, um, there are different insurance companies that will actually want to increase the value of the home that you're going to have for having solar on the home. Uh, there are some of them that actually have the premium associated with it because it can um, an increase in premium because it can. Uh, you know, you're drilling into the roof. You're replacing something that's on your roof, right that's there. That's the questions that are coming. So, um, you know, I I have yet to this point had a claim that was directly related to the installation of solar panels on a home. Uh-huh. So, I guess I can say this: the good news is that I've seen very few claims that have resulted from the installation of solar panels on a roof. Uh-huh. For the most part, solar does a better job protecting your roof than what a typical asphalt shingle would do. Those things, I've seen demonstrations with a lot of those panels, you can drive a Hummer over top some of them. Uh-huh. Um, so when it comes to its you know, uh, resistance to sun, uh, to hail, things along those lines, it's pretty good. Um, I, I've yet to see a claim as a result of the installation for one of those come through. Um, what is important from a home insurance standpoint is making sure that your home policy is updated to say that I do have solar that is on there. Uh-huh. At least it's on record with your insurance company that I had solar added in you know, May of this past year uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, if, um, if it has been disclosed that you have solar, the insurance company knows that you have solar on there. Uh, the other thing, too, is it's going to increase the coverage level for your home because if something happened and the home burned down and you needed to replace that and you wanted to, you wanted to make sure the funds are there for replacing something like that. Um, this has come in, um, and I'll do this in general strokes. Sure. Can um, Jeremy speak to um, when folks do work on your house, making sure those contractors have business insurance um, and the importance of that should any kind of damage happen? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, you are going to want to make sure that it is a my, – my recommendation is always having a general contractor that is licensed and insured uh-huh. to verify that. I have gotten the question before. I can do this a lot less expensive if – if I go out and I hire the subs myself, uh-huh. um, what, did, what that is going to create is called a gap in insurance. Ooh, what's so, that mean? So a gap in insurance is a, uh, a liminal state where uh, responsibility is basically going to no one. So your homeowner's policy um, you know, will cover you um, 
they separate renovations from remodels. Like if you're replacing the cabinets in your kitchen, that's a kitchen remodel. Most insurance companies will say that. If you're doing a true renovation to your home, there are some insurance companies that will cover you uh, with a builder's risk element for that. So the work being done is covered underneath of your home policy. You can either add it as an endorsement on that policy. Some of them covered as a general risk that they would have. Um, when that is happening, I still recommend, what you want to have in that case is that your liability is transferring over to whoever's working on your home in case someone gets hurt. But you want to ensure that the person that is working on that property is licensed and insured because that is going to fill that gap. If they are not, and your insurance policy does not cover someone standing on a 10-foot ladder replacing you know, uh, one of those skylight windows or something along those lines, and something falls off, the insurance can deny the claim for that happening. That is the gap in insurance that we are seeing. They are licensed and insured. They are covering their workers under workers' comp or other type situations for that work that is being done. Um, so That's a good explanation. Yeah. So we, we want to fill in those gaps. And it is a um, insurance is all about risk. I've seen people that have higher risk tolerance. I have other people that are lower risk tolerance. I'm a low risk tolerance person. I want to make sure that I've you got... You personally? Me personally. Okay. I, I would, uh, I, I, you know, I carry a $2 million liability umbrella under, you know, for myself, my wife, and my kids. You know, in case something were to happen, I want to make sure that I'm covering and protecting my biggest assets. I, I am a low-risk individual. Some people are like, I don't think this is going to take long. Like, I, I'm probably going to hire these people even though they don't, aren't licensed and insured because it's going to save me $10,000, you know, and I'm hoping that nothing is going to happen. I will never recommend that, but my job is to recommend as an insurance advisor. And you give options. I have to give options. I cannot control other people. That is, that is you, the viewer. That is your responsibility to determine what your own risk tolerance is. I'm just going to advise to the best of my ability what I would recommend in a particular situation. So this whenever guy. I'm getting someone work to do, I want a contractor, I want them licensed, I want them insured, and I want to be able to verify that. So you legitimately ask to see the uh, the contract that is not my responsibility. Okay. In that, that is yeah. that is the homeowner's responsibility yeah. to protect. But I meant you their personally. Job. Yeah, you would ask. If I would do that, I would yes. Okay. I would I would want to make sure that they were licensed and insured. And these things have to be fired uh, filed with the um, the uh, DPOR, the Department of you know, Professional Occupation Regulation in the state right. of Virginia. So you should be able to look up and see if someone is licensed and insured, whether their LLC or their individual is. This guy is absolutely on fire here. So comments coming in fast and furious. Um, this comment is on a completely different topic, is on the uh, the topic we brought up with Quentin Beckham and Lee Elberson okay. about kind of the history of a home okay. um, from a repair or damage standpoint. Sure. Carly Wagner, who's a realtor and an engineer, mentioned that the, in the, uh, the insurance industry has some of this data at its disposal. Essentially, the, I hate to make this, this comparison, but it is the best comparison out there. Like the Carfax of a house? In a sense, yes. Yeah. Um, Carfax is uh, it's a fairly good parallel. Carfax will show you all the maintenance history. You know, the VIN numbers, everything that have happened with those VIN numbers, uh, Carfax is going to give you the details. It'll show you how frequently it got its oil changed. Um, so insurance world is all about reporting and getting all of the facts that they can. So an individual and a property, they are going to have, um, the insurance companies are always going to look at the loss history whenever they're evaluating a risk for that individual or that property. Generally on a home, so if someone's buying a home, that reporting is going to go back seven years, which isn't a huge span of time, but you know, it's enough. 
Um, whenever I'm looking at it, that's normally what I will see is a report. And this is both for the property. If someone's, I, I'm taking this from the, the perspective because probably 85, 90% of the people that I work with are going through the home buying process. So when I'm evaluating a home, I'm evaluating them and what their claims history is. When I say I am, the insurance companies are, but as I'm doing this general you know, shopping for them. And I'm also evaluating the home's history. So the report itself, when an insurance company is running this report, they will look at the loss history for that. Um, we all have, uh, we're all human. We all have memories that can sometimes fail us. Um, I can remember, you know, someone that I talked to five years ago and what type of cabinets we put in their kitchen for a home that I built them, and I could forget what I had for dinner last night. Um, that happens within claims as well. Um, so sometimes, you know, from an insurance standpoint, it will show that an individual might have had a claim in the past or something had started to be filed. They might have forgotten about it. That can have an impact on your, uh, on your insurance rating as you're going for new coverage it can be shown what has happened to a home as well. Now, we were talking about this briefly. Some states, like California, you effectively get that report. Uh, if, if you'll get the history of a home and everything that has happened to it. Is that the only state? There, there's a few others out there, but, but I, um, I work primarily in North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., and West Virginia. Okay. Those are the states that I know, and I know Virginia the, the best. In Virginia, you know, in good faith, someone's selling a home and, you know, the seller's agent with actual knowledge has to present any defects that are in the home. Um, if a home is sold as is, you kind of know you're going to get whatever's there. Whatever you can see, they're not really disclosing anything. Um, but, you know, if a, if a uh, selling agent or a seller is selling a home, they need to disclose any of those known facts that are defects in the home. Um, if you go through a home and you see a watermark that is on the ceiling, mm -hmm. if that has not been disclosed, that's, you can ask questions if that was an issue, but if that's not been disclosed, there is, there is an active water leak on there, it's assumed that that's been taken care of. Um, so there isn't, really a, um, there isn't really any given report that has to be known about a home. Um, it can come up that there might have been a previous claim on the home, but it is still assumed that unless it was disclosed that there's an active issue, it is assumed that that claim was resolved. Okay. So it's happened before where, you know, uh, there might have been a pipe burst or something had happened in a, uh, in a home and it, you know, flooded, uh, you know, a portion of the basement. My home I bought. Um, you know, when I bought my home, I ran my own, you know, my, my own homeowner's insurance. Uh, and there had been, you know... Um, in one of the, the half baths in the home, you know, one of the pipes had come loose when grandkids were playing in the home and it flooded a portion of the basement to the tune of $23,000. Dang. Uh, yep. Issue resolved. I looked at it myself. The home inspector didn't see anything. There's no existing signs of water damage or anything else that's in the home. I'm living in it. It's perfectly fine. Um, that's generally the case. Um, so we are in a very trusting state that we have that. As far as the disclosure and what part has to take place, that's at a state level. That, that's going to be that's going to be a, a legal thing uh, if there needs to be any disclosed things. Uh, and I think there's pluses and minuses to disclosing it. Uh, what, some, what, do, what do you think are the pluses and minuses? Sure. In some ways, you want to know the history of the home itself. Yeah. Um, you know what issues have happened. Uh -huh. If there's anything that does come up that that can happen, in the issue in the instance of you know, if an insurance company is fine, if a home has polybutylene piping, unless there is a claim, you know, that's going to pop up, you know, and I've had, I have to explain, you know, 
there's a claim because this home had polybutylene piping. That might be information that the homeowner didn't have before, but I'm probably going to have to explain why an insurance company is not going to do it. In some states like California, um, you know, it could slow down the process because there are, there are times, and it's human nature, that, that issues come up that are bigger in our head than what they are in reality. Simple fact. Again, $23,000 worth of water damage in, in the home that I bought before, it's resolved, it was fixed, it's no big deal. I could sit there and wring my hands over it on, you know, is that, is that toilet going to magically start flooding into the, the basement again? It's not going to do me any good. It's been resolved and I've never had an issue. Um, so I could also see how too much information can, can be a dangerous thing in terms of slowing down the process. So, it, it, you know, there's, there's two sides to every coin, and I just wanted to play devil's advocate on, on the information sharing as well. I love that. So. I love that. You are crushing this. This guy is on absolute fire right now. Roger Voisinet is watching from Remax. Hey, Roger. Roger, we love you. He's yeah. uh, Mr. Solar right there. Thank you kindly for watching. Kevin Higgins, hello. David Pusso, Travis Hackworth in Danville. Heather Walker, hello. Thank you kindly for watching. Chad Wood, Michael Plecker of Keller mm -hmm. Williams, hello. Aaron yeah. King, hello in Scottsville. We love when you watch. Albert Graves, Jason Howard on Rio, Thomas Leroy, um, Cully Baggett, the developer watching the program, Patty Zeller at Animal Connection, Andre Xavier, hello. Philip Andrew Hamilton, the state Senate candidate, Stuart Rifkin watching the program, Stu. We love when you watch the show. Ray Cadell, welcome to the program. Ray Cadell and Thank Associates. This question's a good one. Um, Kelsey says, if we are interested in purchasing a home and we are going to utilize um, our insurance agent to insure our home, does Jeremy suggest that we reach out to the insurance agent or our representative from the insurance agent to get the report or any data that's available to that home before closing? That's a hell of a question. It is. Um you can certainly ask uh, because it is it is reported information that is going out to the the insurance companies. There's nothing that says that it has to be disclosed, but the, it's called the clue report that's run, and you can ask and say, "Hey, when you ran the clue report, you know, was there anything that happened in the home?" Now, your your contract there's no there's no contingency saying, "Oh, I found a previous claim on the home." It's really for informational purposes only. Um, I've, I've not seen where you know, anyone's come back and said, oh, there was a previous claim, because you have to, again, disclose if there's any active issues with a home. Um, so you know, if it's been resolved, that's, you know, that's fine. But you can certainly ask. I don't, I don't, uh, there's nothing that I know of that says that you cannot share that information. Um, so I, and I do, you know, I have some people that have reached out to me for homeowner's insurance, and they are within the week of closing on their home. Most of the time, once you are under contract, some people will wait till after they've done a home inspection if it's contingent on that. But there's no harm in starting to look and evaluate the homeowner's insurance um, from when you go under contract. You know, the further in advance, you know, you get that information, the further further in advance that you finalize something like that, you get the information to the mortgage company so that they can get all the numbers right for what they're going to need for closing. You can check that box because you have to have that if you're getting a mortgage to close on the home. Um, and you can have a pretty good idea of, you know, what you're going to be covered for. Um, most of the people that I work with, they're about 30 to 45 days out from closing. Sometimes I get people with new construction that start the conversation 60 days or more out, but generally 60 days or less is when I recommend starting that. And when you get under contract, um, you can, you know, that's a good time to start. I will give this tip as well. Most insurance companies, if you are looking to make a change or you are buying a home, 
they will give you more favorable rates if you are looking 15 days or more out for that policy. Huh. So you don't... Uh, you don't want to wait till the bottom of the ninth inning. You don't want to wait. Um, you, you don't want to wait till it's too close. Um, so what for most insurance companies, the reason why that is, is if you're calling and you need coverage that same day, um, you're probably getting dropped um, for one reason or another. So it is a risk factor. So 15 days is the general threshold. Some it's eight, but 15 days is normally the rule of thumb to look in advance for homeowners or an auto policy. It's going to give you the more favorable rates if you're looking to shop around. Um, most all the policies that I have, that's what I'm generally looking at is somewhere in that 15 to 45 day range to setting up a new home policy. Uh, and I'll look at the same thing as far as auto insurance goes as well. Um, little tricks like that that are going to help get you the best rate. Um, Jack Cummings watching in Richmond, West End Richmond. Jerry, this is one of the best shows that you have done yet. Bring this Thank guy you. back. Awesome. He also <laughs> says you guys have talked insurance when it comes to houses. Um, and just about every scenario Jeremy, Mr. Rowe has described is um, a mortgage finance house where they require you to have the insurance at closing. It's important that he speaks to cash deals and or seller finance deals where often some of that insurance coverage is not prioritized or it's something that is forgotten. That's a hell of a comment yes. right there. Yes, it is. Um, so let me ask him this because, Jack, I appreciate you watching the show. I see that you watch from time to time. Is this personal experience? Um, with you as an investor, because I know you're in the game um, with finance, with deals that you've done either in cash or in seller finance scenario. I think what we should do is do a broad stroke of what he's talking about and then maybe get into specifics. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, you know, with, with that, and again, this, this becomes, uh, when it's not required, and in the state of Virginia, your auto insurance is required. Uh, by the way, if you have the state minimums for liability insurance, get out there and increase your limits because it is the least expensive part of your auto insurance policy, and, and it can be the most financially taxing uh, if there is an issue with your liability insurance. The state minimums is, uh, is garbage. Do not, do not carry state minimums. Please increase that. Um, but everyone, uh, outside of having a mortgage and having auto insurance, which is required that you have those, um, when you don't have to have insurance... Um, it, is, it becomes then a person's responsibility for getting that covered. I have seen some very unfortunate situations where someone has, has not had to have insurance coverage, uh, and it has been very shortly after uh, that they encountered a situation that would have been covered under insurance, and they, they, didn't, they didn't get it, um, and, and it could be costly. Um, I would be very hopeful that if someone has the financial capability of buying a home in cash, uh, that they might be blessed enough that they, if it's a financial hit, but they might be able to cover themselves if something did happen. And that is sometimes the, the self-insurance risk that individuals take. However, it is going to be vastly less expensive to have, you know, a, an annual premium on a property uh, than, than the, it is. All the, yeah, the, the alternative. The alternative. Yeah. Um, you know, Dude, you're so, killing this. So it, it, is, it, it is something that I highly recommend. And again, if you're under contract for a home, in that, depending on what your turnaround time, if you're a cash deal, you don't have to wait 30 to 45 days in most instances. You know, you can do a closing in 21 days. Um, you know, it is, it, there's, less, there's less balls moving in the air for, for a cash deal to close. Um, so I would make sure that that is one of the check boxes. Uh, and for those real estate agents out there working with cash buyers, as we talked to Taylor on the show, he said that 
we said in the last year, 50% of the buyers that have gone under contract have been cash buyers. So real estate agents are working with cash dealers out there. Um, make sure that that is still an, a, a subject that you approach with your buyers to make sure that they're insured, that that is checked off of that list. Um, and he offers more insight. He says, yes, it was a cash deal that I did without um, buyer representation, meaning he did not have an agent. He probably sourced the property himself. This guy's a fairly sophisticated investor. And the process of buying this house as an investment property, he says, um, I did not prioritize the insurance coverage like I should have. A tree literally fell across our yard, narrowly missing the investment property. Immediately, I got on the phone and called my representation and got coverage. Smart. That... Um, he got Jack got very, very lucky. Yeah, uh, Jack got very lucky. Bill, I'm so sorry again. Um, so I, yes, uh, that was a uh, <laughs> you got a divine warning in that one. Yeah, um, so I guess he's saying he, that as a warning for yeah, it. yeah, it, it, yeah. And, and, uh, and the thing is too, I get a I get this question a lot um, in in Charlottesville anywhere. You know, homes can be close together. If your neighbor's tree, as a result of a windstorm or anything, blows onto your home. It's your fault. Like it's it's your insurance that it's going to go through. It is not, it is not your 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 neighbors. Um, How about if the tree is dead? Uh, it, it, in some in some instances, there there can be that the that it was neglect on the other person's fault, and that that can can turn more into a legal uh, battle um, as far as getting the insurance to cover that. Um, but if you just get homeowners insurance, if you're protecting your investment, if you're if you're checking those boxes and being sound, this is. This is the this is the part that uh, <laughs> nah, I'm not going to get worked up over, but you're making this one of the single biggest purchases of your life. For most people, it is. Some people that are, have investment properties, I know some people with 26, 28 different investment properties. Well done, like that's fantastic. But for most people out there, you are buying a house. It is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, there's very few homes that are less than two hundred thousand dollars. You know, protecting this thing is important. Um, and in retrospect, coming from home building, where I have had change orders that have been twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, that people are like, "Yeah, let's go ahead and move forward with that." You know, we in in the Charlottesville, Albemarle area, our premiums nationwide are some of the lowest in the country. For anyone out there to, that is either in Florida or has moved from Florida, when they come to Virginia, they're like, "Holy cow! Like you're paying eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars a year for your homeowner's insurance." Compared to what you is being covered for your property, our premiums are ridiculously low. You know, a home inspection could be six hundred dollars. A home insurance premium could be six hundred dollars. I've seen it happen. It's um, a no-brainer. So, so it's it is it is uh, we it, human nature again. We don't want to necessarily pay money for something that we, we feel like we might not ever use, but it is a sound investment for what you are covering. Um, so yes, please prioritize that uh, if you are buying any any property, unless you are. Um, you know, fully confident that you're able to self-insure the property and that, you know, a $20,000 loss is going to be a drop in the bucket for you. There are individuals out there, I completely understand it, but at the same time, if you can do that, what's $600? Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, don't step over uh, dollars to pick up nickels, I think is yeah. what he's, he's saying right there. We'll take one more question, this one from YouTube. I am not going to be able to get to all the questions and comments today, guys. <laughs> I am sorry. I, I promise I will, you, I will we will invite back. you back. <laughs> we will invite Jeremy back. We're not going to be able to get to all these questions. It's already 1130 here. We're an hour and 15 minutes in. You are made for this, dude. Thank you. You are made for this. <laughs> Marlene Jones, what insurance is available for building new construction on an existing privately owned lot? Yes. So Is that a good question? That is a good question. That what does she question. mean there? So um, 
we're effectively talking about a builder's risk policy that okay. you're going to get. So you own the lot. Um, uh, let's see, how many directions can we go with this one question? Um, check with your homeowner's policy. If you own a home and you also own vacant land, there are some endorsements you can add on to your homeowner's policy that would add a liability from your home, your existing home, to the land that you own. So that's for anyone that owns vacant land and they own this. I just had um, a, a conversation with Alex Howe, who is a, a financial advisor here in Charlottesville. Great dude. Um, and he yeah, he's in that situation where he owns some land. I said, check with your current insurance policy to make sure you can carry that over to, to that. Um, but if you own land and you're looking to build on that property, there's really a couple different types of builder's risk policies that you can get. Um, there is one type of policy that would be as if you were a general contractor. It is covering your blueprints. It is covering your materials. It is covering um, uh, all the different things that go into construction. Again, if you are hiring a general contractor to build your home, if you are hiring a company to build your home, then your builder's risk is really going to, there's many companies out there that um, offer a homeowner's type policy that has a builder's risk element to it. Not all insurance companies offer a home under construction policy, uh, but there are several that do. It in effect operates as a homeowner's policy during the course of construction. You can even endorse adding covering building materials that have not been attached to the home, building materials like lumber that are lying on the ground for theft of building materials. Biggest thing, too, is that it's going to cover the liability portion. That liability is now covered under the property, filling in those gaps that I talked about earlier. So if you have vacant land that you're going to build on and you are hiring a general contractor or a, um, a company like Craig Builders or someone else that's going to build Evergreen that's going to build on that lot for you, you can get a homeowner's policy that has a builder's risk element to it to ensure that property through its course of construction. Normally, those companies want to see that the home is completed within a year of when it's going to be built. There are some insurance companies that will then let you rewrite that policy, others that will say, you didn't get it done within a year, you need to find someone else. Most insurance companies will rewrite that policy. Most construction companies can build within a year right now. We've worked through a lot of stuff that happened between 2018 and, and the present that it has caused some uh, to go all the way through. Um, this is if you own the land and you are building the home through a general contractor. There's a lot of builders in the Charlottesville area in particular that are, are owning the home and the land and that they're going to sell you a finished product at the end of their contract. Stanley Martin, Greenwood Homes, um, Southern Development, um, most of the Craig homes that I know. They own the lot, they own the land, and at the beaginning of their con uh, construction contract, they, they're taking care of everything until they sell you the home. You're basically buying a, a home at the end of their construction process. You do not need a builder's risk policy for those particular homes, if that makes sense. You uh, are tailor-made for this. Um, Jeremy Rowe, guys. Um, how can people contact you? Uh, it's uh, jeremy.rowe at goosehead.com. You can also Google search me, uh, Jeremy Rowe, Goosehead Insurance. Um, uh, the best phone number to reach me on is 434-466-8151. Um, so please, you know, look me up. Uh, I would I would love to set set appointments. Um, I, I, I keep I keep a fairly uh, busy schedule. So um, if you if you do call, certainly leave me a voicemail. The best way is through through email. Um, you can also get my contact information again. Google searching me, um, and and I will if you do reach out. Um, if I send you back uh, a Calendly invite saying, hey, 
take a look at your schedule, take a look at my schedule, set up a time for us to sit generally an hour um, to, to go over all your different policies is what I like to do. Uh, for some more trickier situations, I might ask for a follow-up appointment if I need to do a little bit more digging and research, but um, my, my main goal is to, to just help, help who I can. I love it. He killed it. One of the signs of a fantastic show. Too many comments that you can't get to. I promise he'll come back. Another yep. sign for a fantastic show. When three of your direct competitors are watching for most of the program. That happened today. Oh, that's that's good. There's there, there's a lot of good insurance agents uh, in and around the Charlottesville uh, area in Augusta County. Um, you know, I, I I have a lot of people that I've worked with and, and seen. Um, a lot of good insurance agents out there. So, uh, you did amazing today. Jeremy Rowe, guys, he yep. will be back on this network, I yep. promise you. Judah Wickhauer, job well done. I um, also I want to give a quick shout-out, too. Please. Uh, tomorrow is July the 6th. Okay. I think there's two birthdays. My wife is one of them. Get out. Judah's. It's your birthday, July the 6th. Judah Wickhauer. Happy birthday. It is. Thank you. <laughs> Judah Wickhauer. So I want to give out those two, those two shout-outs for the two birthdays. I love it. Judah yep. Wickhauer, um, his nickname, The Young Cower, because he ages like a fine wine. <laughs> just like Mrs. Rowe does as well. Um, this is Real Talk on a Wednesday. Keith is back in the saddle on Friday. The I Love Seville show is up in 55 minutes. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jerry.